0: Support for this program is provided by Chevron.
1: This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The Russian-EU energy war has entered a new phase this week. On Wednesday, the European Commission presented plans to ban Russian oil imports in the next six months and all refined oil products by the end of the year. The plans, which are expected to be adopted by the end of the week, are part of a sixth round of sanctions aimed at pressuring Russian President Vladimir Putin to end his invasion of Ukraine. The move is especially important for Europe, since the continent is extremely reliant on Russian oil, gas, and coal. So today, I talk with Politico Europe's Barbara Muntz about what these sanctions mean for Europe, Russia, and the energy world. It's Thursday, May 5th. So Barbara, in the European Union's latest round of proposed sanctions against Russia announced on Wednesday, the bloc included an embargo on Russian oil imports. So what are some of the key details of that embargo?
0: I think the key thing to know is that it's not an immediate ban. So it's a phase out by the end of the year. And even with some exceptions in the sense that at this point, the European Commission, so the EU's executive power, is proposing for two countries, Hungary and Slovakia, to get some more time by the end of 2023, because they're very dependent on Russian oil imports.
1: Right. Yeah. And so you mentioned there are some exemptions. So there's not. So there still is some dissension here. But how hard was it for members to reach an agreement on this step? It might not be a full immediate embargo, but we know that there was still reluctance to even do this. So how hard was it to get here?
0: Definitely. From the beginning of the war, there was a lot of criticism that the EU is still funding the Kremlin's war machine via its payments for Russian energy imports, so coal, oil and gas. We already had sanctions on coal. And now, as Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said on Wednesday, we finally have sanctions on oil, as it was very hard to get all 27 EU countries to agree on this. And even as far as we know, at this point, it is still unclear whether Hungary and Slovakia will actually agree in the coming days as they say that it's still too soon for them and that they're actually looking for a longer transition period to cut off their Russian oil
1: imports. Wow. So you you actually don't see it as a done deal. They still could reject this proposed plan?
0: They're definitely going to have a deal. The question is which deal? So it's clear that Hungary and Slovakia are trying to get the best deal for them as possible and trying to put pressure because that's the thing with the EU's internal politics. Every country has to agree, every one of the 27. So you need really to get hungry on board. And in that sense, if that means that their transition period has to be a little longer, that might be worth it from the European politics perspective, as long as we can actually move forward with the oil ban.
1: Right. And so assuming it does go forward, how are EU officials describing the potential impact both on Russia, which obviously depends on this revenue, and itself, given the economy and how it it has depended on Russian oil. So, you know, there are exemptions, of course, and there's this phase-in period. How are they describing the impact then?
0: Yeah, that was exactly one of the things that they were very cautious about it during the preparation of this ban, in the sense that the key thing was that it has to hit Vladimir Putin and Russia harder than it has to hit the EU and also the global market, right? There was a lot of caution also coming from the US, but also from developed countries that, for example, if the EU would have a full immediate oil ban at this point, that would just lead to skyrocketing oil prices, which in the end may benefit Putin and may hurt everybody else. So that is what they're trying to avoid they're trying to do this step-by-step step and make sure that there are alternative oil supplies and that it doesn't lead to global rise in prices. That being said, it will still hurt the European economy. What the European politicians are saying at this point is that that's a price worth paying if it actually hurts the Russian economy more.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's a strong statement. So what do you see as a potential next step on energy So obviously, oil in itself is a big move. But do you think the EU will eventually cut off Russian natural gas, which up to this point has been considered a more difficult task given reliance is even greater? And I know markets are are less fungible. So what do you think?
0: Definitely. Cutting off Russian gas is a very sensitive topic here in the EU, especially for Germany, which is the biggest European economy. And if the German economy would get hurt, that would obviously influence a lot of of the rest of the EU. Again, that being said, there has already been a lot of preparations. Already, the Russian imports on gas that we have are far less than in the beginning of the war. Everybody's starting to look at alternatives. Also, because there was this fear that once the EU would cut Russian oil, that Putin might retaliate and cut off the Russian gas imports towards the EU, which would obviously hurt him, but it would definitely also hurt the EU. So it does seem at this point that now that the decision on oil has almost definitely been made, that the next step will be gas. The question is just when this will be. And to that question at this point, there is no answer whether it will be a question of weeks or months.
1: Also, on Wednesday, the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee voted unanimously to advance the 2022 Water Resources Development Act, setting up the bipartisan climate-focused package for swift passage in the full Senate. The bill authorizes a host of waterway, coastal resiliency, and western water projects, with a greater focus on environmental justice than in previous versions of the bill. Senators said the package would complement the $55 billion in water investments included in last year's bipartisan infrastructure law. That measure devoted $8 billion to Western water priorities and authorized nearly $35 billion for EPA water infrastructure projects. The package now heads to the full Senate, where it's likely to get a friendly reception from senators. That's because the committee worked with all 100 members of the Senate on the package, according to the committee's chairman, Tom Carper. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you
0: know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future. Learn more at chevron.com lowercarbon.